0: Yeah, I think as a software engineer, the industry has changed over the last two decades. Um, Mm. If you look back in the past, software engineers used to be what would be equivalent to mostly full stack developers now. Um, Mm The majority of roles, software engineering roles, by essentially full-stack developers. Back then, I recall doing everything from the front end, the you know, from UI to the actual application on the client side and server side and all kinds of areas. These days, the roles are much more defined if you were in a development role. It's more specialized now. But in terms of what I'm doing now and how different it is, I think I tend to look at more about the customer and see what exactly are the customer's needs and also looking at them from different lenses, different perspectives. And then I look back into what we have in our toolkit to see how we can solve those problems uh, and those needs, what the gaps are, how do we fill those gaps, and then the approach that we take to do those. So it's very different, you know, from writing code every day, thousands of lines a day now to thinking on a higher level, um, solving problems on a whole.
1: Welcome to the Making the Career Leap podcast. I'm Lynn Loy, a talent advisor and recruiter based in Singapore. If you're thinking that it might just be time for you to change your current role or career, then this is absolutely the right podcast for you. In each episode, you can expect to hear the fascinating stories and perspectives of talented individuals I've met through my work and network. It gives me great pleasure to have these in-depth conversations that dive into the why, what and how behind the big moves that these professionals have made across different domains and industries, as well as how they might have also enabled others to make similar career leaps. If you're new to the podcast or want to tell your friends about it, just visit makingthecareerleap.com to access all podcast episodes and transcripts or search for Making the Career Leap on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you prefer the video format, you can also watch the podcast on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at career podcast. Hi Lionel, welcome to the Making the Career Leap podcast. Really nice to have you on the show today. We work together at Tricentis and as the director of the pilot engineers team, I've been really impressed by how you've led the team as well as like cared for the team and I'm so glad to have you on today. To get us started, would you care to share perhaps one career myth that you found to be untrue? This is the same question that we pose to all guests. I'm really curious to hear your take on it.
0: Hi Ling, thanks for having me. Um, career myth, I'd probably say that the one of the biggest career myths is about you know finding a passion. My little story about it is that I was in a software development field for quite a while, but uh, software development wasn't my passion when I first started. Um, it was actually a, more of the business um, analyst kind of role. Mm-hmm. I gave software development a go based on my results I did a lot better in software development than I did in the system analysis and design kind of roles. Okay. And I gave it a go eventually. I grew to love it. So finding a passion and doing that straight away, is probably a big career myth.
1: That's fantastic. And thank you for sharing your story that I think people can relate to. The roles that your passions may not align with maybe what you're best at, right, in this case. And I think that's... Something to think about before we start selecting the first role. Could you maybe introduce yourself and share a little bit more about, you know, what you do in your current role as a director of the pilot engineers?
0: Sure. So personally, I have a passion for technology, innovations and achieving results, so I do like to learn and explore new domains. I also believe in continuous improvements in terms of personal self. And I take every opportunity Mm -hmm. to expand my skill sets. My current role, I mentor, lead and driver team, and we, as a team, deliver technical success for our customers' problems. And this could include things like solutioning, customizing, and demonstrating our products to solve the pains of our prospects and customers.
1: So apart from learning and continuing to learn, I'm just curious, what are some of the things that you know, are of interest to you and how has that changed over the time, right? Is it still very technically focused? or As you've become a people manager, you've broadened the topics that you've been learning or been curious about?
0: Yeah, so I've definitely spent a lot less time on the actual tools these days, um, mm-hmm. a bit more time in PowerPoint and Excel. I do, do get my hands dirty and I think that's also important because you need to kind of relate to what your team's doing. You need to keep yourself um, aware as to your team's objective and what they go through. But definitely as a people manager, you do need to have also the foresight and organizational skills and management skills to be effective in your role.
1: So I guess if you look back, right, now that when you're kind of leading a team across the region, actually, right, in terms of how it is different from the first job that you had today, I think the first role that you initially started off with that you shared earlier was really more in software development um, as a software engineer. So, you know, what is that biggest difference do you feel looking back at that journey?
0: Yeah, I think as a software engineer, the industry has changed over the last two decades. Um, Mm. If you look back in the past... Software engineers used to be what would be equivalent to mostly full-stack developers now. The um, mm-hmm. majority of roles, software engineering roles, are essentially full-stack developers. Back then, I recall doing everything from the front end, the you know, UI to the actual application on the client side and server side, and all kinds of areas. These days, the roles are much more defined if you were in a development role. It's more specialized now. But in terms yeah. of what I'm doing now and how different it is, I think I tend to look at more about the customer and see what exactly are the customer's needs and also looking at them from different lenses, different perspectives, mm-hmm. And then I look back into what we have in our toolkit to see how we can solve those problems uh, and those needs, mm-hmm. what the gaps are, how do we fill those gaps, and then the approach that we take to do those. So it's very different you know, from writing code every day Thousands of lines a day. Now to thinking on a higher level, of solving problems on a whole.
1: Yeah, actually, I would love to dig a little bit more into that because one of the key reasons why I wanted to have you on as well is because we do hire for solution architects that you know are part of the, pilot engineering team. Um, I'm just curious to make that leap from you know being more technically focused to coding to becoming a solution architect. How big of a leap is that? And how did you decide that, you know, that's the kind of switch that you wanted to make for yourself?
0: Yeah. Good question. So I think the leap is quite different in the sense that as a Mm -hmm. software engineer, you tend to write code that's been broken down already for you. You know, you've got requirements. You write code that addresses a specific um, for that requirement. In terms of a solution architect, you're kind of a few steps before it in the sense that the customer may not know what's required to solve it, they just know that they have a problem. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of have to sit down analyze it to say, okay, these are the needs or these are what they're trying to get to. Um, how do you solve it? You know, you've got to break it down, understanding it could be timing, schedules, need to adhere to priorities problems of different scales and different objectives so analyzing all of those and then breaking down smaller pieces and then trying to see what you have um because what you may have only solves a portion of it which may leave Mm -hmm. a fairly big gap in something else then what can you do to fill those gaps you know is it something that you could potentially fill in with Or is it something that the customer or prospect may need to fill in something else? Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is really about thinking a big picture. The customer has may not necessarily know what they want. They know where they want to get to but they Mm -hmm. don't know what they want. So how do you get them there? And that's quite different from just coding.
1: So I guess if we look at how you've kind of articulated the differences, and to me, as we have gone through hiring of some of these roles, I can tell like that's what the hiring managers are also looking for. And the stakeholders, right? Like this person can help to identify what is the real problem before like recommending that. A solution as an option to the customer but let's say if you look at it the challenge of this role when you were still doing the software engineering role how do you get an inkling that this could be something that's suitable for you like you could think in the big picture and there will be something that you're good at doing before you make the leap can you tell us what the steps that you know kind of happened before or is it serendipity that got you into this
0: space i'll just take a little step back from that um i uh-huh. recall when i first got into software development, um, I initially said to myself, because I was m- more inclined to a business analyst kind of role, I said to myself, I'll try software development for six months and reevaluate when the time came to see if that's something I want to pursue or if I want to change. Um, six months came and it was pretty good. I quite enjoyed it. I gave another six more months. And um, at that, when the second six months came, I actually then thought, you know what software development is actually quite interesting i've always enjoyed puzzles and solving problems so uh, you know, yeah. that kind of grew on me as i've spent now 12 months in in a software development role that kind of grew on me. and i was thinking you know what's next if i was to go down this journey what do i want to do and at that point i set in my mind that i would like to aim for a to be a solution architect in about 10 years um oh. that obviously was something which didn't happen you know, I did okay. get there, but um, not in a time frame. <laughs> throughout yeah. that journey, I was uh, constantly enrolling myself in multiple courses. Um, and every year I would do at least two or three courses, um, mm-hmm. some in online courses, uh, some could be uh, in-person courses, some could be short courses, yeah. um, just constantly getting myself exposed to all these different courses for more technical skills. But also mm-hmm. I engage with many who I saw it as very successfully get in their role as a solution architect and um, they helped me inspire to get better in terms of what I was doing and Mm -hmm. the the exposure to them and what they gave me, you know, the information um, to help me improve myself. So when such an opportunity arises, I will be able to take it on.
1: Wow, that's really very proactive, Lionel. I think you know, in terms of the level of commitment to invest your time to learn, to network with people, and learn from people who have come before you in the role that you're looking for. I don't know how common it is, but you know, hopefully, people who are hearing it can get a sense of the kind of level of dedication that you had.
0: There's actually a lot of people that do that. So I used to go to a lot of meetups. You know, from the tech field, you know, if you go to meetups, you see a lot of like-minded people most of the time these people who go to meetups are investing their own personal time to it they go there because of common interests they're not doing it because of work they're Mm -hmm. doing it because they have a passion or something that interests Mm -hmm. them um Mm -hmm. so going to these kind of forums or these kind of scenarios gets you exposed to people who are investing more than what they need to in terms of just a job it's more of a career or something which they enjoy and mm-hmm. um, building the relationships with those people there and you know, helps you get exposed to a wide variety of people who are like minded or potentially mm-hmm. even much more career driven than you might be.
1: I think that's great to hear, right? Like in terms of the personal time that you've put into that, I'm just curious, you know, like, was there also something that in that you discovered in your personal time where you had uh, someone who was in a uh, solution architect role that inspired you, which caused you to fix this as a goal that you have in mind? Or because I, I think like, you know, in terms of setting some goals, we usually take inspiration from somewhere. So was it like someone or is it just based on what you've researched about what roles sound exciting or appealing to you?
0: Yeah, it was actually someone. um, In fact, two people Mm were one of my first roles. Yeah. Seeing what they did, yes, I was developing code and writing code. um, But seeing what they did made me think, you know, what they're doing is pretty interesting. Um, Mm. I was on the side um, chipping in here and there and getting some work from them in terms of, all right, they've done this solutioning. They've passed it on Mm -hmm. to developers. Um, you know in terms of they write some they do some running of code but the areas when they were more on the solution architect um, side of things being exposed to that made me think that's what i really wanted Mm -hmm. to do Um, i quite enjoyed what i saw um, and the little exposure i had um, made me say that that's something i want to drive towards
1: nice so i think one thing that really struck me when you're describing this is you have like different timelines so you gave yourself six months to kind of say, okay, do I like software engineering? And then it's like, okay, it sounds the first six months are good. I'll go for another six months. And then, you know, see how, you know, just to like, there was this very quick feed, feedback loop that you had there. So I'm just curious, like going from that to that 10-year time frame that you had for becoming a solution architect, was that 10-year time frame that you had set for yourself also came from the exposure to that people, other people that you've seen who have made similar leaps or is that something that you've estimated based on all the requirements or foundational skills needed for the role and it's your own estimate?
0: Yeah. It's a little bit of my own plus a bit of research at a time. Um, I recall looking at, you know, if I was to get on that path, what is the requirements for those kind of roles? So Mm. I recall looking at job ads and they're all asked Mm. for between, you know, five to eight years experience. Um, A number of them asked for 10 years experience. And the people that I was working with, uh, I to them, I asked them, you know, how long do they, you know, what kind of experience do they need and how long did it take for them to get to that level? Um, mm-hmm. And after all that, you know, talking to people in market research, I kind of landed on the number 10, just being as nice and round. Um, yeah. And then it's something that you can take checkpoints along the way to, to see where you are. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the 10 from. I think it's also unrealistic to have it too short you just get disappointed if you set unrealistic goals Mm -hmm. so i think they need to be realistic um, and achievable oh
1: i really hope some people who listen to this really understand (laughs) what you're saying here and this is going off at the tangent a little bit but you know if you have any thoughts about you know, because the market, the labor market is so tight right now, right? So for example, I've just spoken to uh, some candidates uh, like just yesterday who have been out of uni for like less than three years. They understand that they're still learning, uh, but you know, they've really been thrusted into a pre-sales solution architect role, right? So when the market is such that they are open to giving people who may not have built all those skills opportunities like that I think to do it well you do really need quite a bit of experience um, you know because it's, it's not just about coding right it's, it's also a lot about um, the business acumen and you know really understanding how to angle and craft the technical solutions I'm just wondering do you have any thoughts on that in terms of the market right now where candidates might be seeing oh, you know, I, I can't imagine myself taking 10 years. I see somebody else who has just been moving into this role just three years out of uni. What would it be all take to somebody who perhaps is in that spot right now, whether they're thinking about work toward a goal that, you know, perhaps at some time ago, it was the norm, but maybe now that norm has been disrupted a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think good things takes time. If you want yeah. to achieve something, it takes time. There is no such thing as something coming up and you get that straight away. it's unrealistic. You know, it's like saying that, you know, you want to be built and muscular. You have to go to the gym and doesn't mean you go to the gym once means you'll be, you know, yep. bulked up and muscular. You have to go repeatedly, you have to go over a period of time. All the training, the exercise will get you there eventually, but it's not mm-hmm. something that happens straight away. Um so for those you know, that want to get it straight away, I think probably reevaluates what's realistic, we all want that, but it does take efforts, you know, it's not, doesn't come without efforts.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, really helpful, right? and I think in terms of, like, what I would usually also think about is that journey in terms of, like, trying to get to the end outcome so quickly, but if you're not going through that whole process putting in the effort i think if you're trying to shortcut that right i think it, it reveals itself uh, to you pretty soon right i mean you kind of hit the reality of uh, yeah, in a position but you just don't feel well equipped enough to handle everything that's being thrown at you because you have actually not put in the time
0: and training yes Absolutely. So
1: um, I guess, Lionel, I you know, bring it back to you. I think when you actually, you know, hit the objective of what you wanted to do to pivot into the solution architect role, I'm just curious, you know, who gave you the opportunity to make this change and what do you think they saw in you that said that, okay, Lionel's ready. You know, let's kind of have him uh, go, go into this role. Like, what was that story like for you?
0: I think in terms of who, there's a few people that collectively gave me the opportunity. One of them, I'll start with a recruiter. Um, I worked with a recruiter previously, however, after leading that role, we were still keeping in touch on a very regular basis. So I do see him as a bit of a mentor and a friend as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and in one of our catch ups, I think it was probably seven years or so after we first initially met, he mentioned that he came across a role that he believes that would be a great fit. Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking at the time, but, um, I remember telling him that I trust his judgment and now let's entertain this opportunity together. Um, it obviously Mm -hmm. worked out. Um, (laughs) A few others that I would often mention would be the leadership and the management of the company at the time. So the leadership of the directors um, and my manager at the time Mm -hmm. gave me the environment, the exposure, the freedom uh, to learn and grow while working. Um, You know, what they offered allowed me to acquire new skills and they were supportive of what I was doing throughout. And then one more person I'll probably credit um, this move to as well was one of the seniors I was working with. Um, full of knowledge and it's always someone to look up to. Um, yeah. His technical skills always kept me inspired. Uh, he showed me you know, how much more I could still learn and develop. He also had the patience to work and train you regardless of what you know or don't know. In terms of what they saw in me, I'll probably say work ethic. You know, um, I don't often tend to give up too easily. Um, mm. I see my problems as challenges or puzzles that needs to be solved. So, you know, if you're given something, you strive your best to get it completed. You strive your best to get it done on time as well, um, and to the best of your ability. So I would say that's probably what they may have seen in in me to give me those opportunities. And
1: I can absolutely echo that. Like, you know, in terms of, you know, just working with you over this past year, right? And we've had some opportunities to work on like some events together as well. I think just the level of the quality at which you put thought into things that arise for a discussion, you're always very well prepared. And I think in terms of providing different angles or perspectives of looking at something and, and some possibilities uh, apart on top of being very resourceful and in fact finding uh, you know kind of uh, different resources for that it would have not been surprising if it was a one-off but because it's consistent and that's something that you know at the end of the day I, I think people kind of like oh you can leave it with Lionel. you know it will be done and it'll be done on time and not only that right it'll be done in a very high quality I think that's a really nice you know kind of personal brand to have built for yourself <laughs>
0: <Thank> <laughs> but you um
1: know. Yeah, I I just wonder, you know, do you think that is something that you have intentionally kept as some of the principles of of how you would approach everything in life? Or, you know, is that just kind of something that is is natural to you? I guess my question is, how intentional was it, right? Like, this is something that in terms of who you are, uh, the identity as a person, did you take time to, you know, kind of hone it down to these few aspects?
0: I think in general, you know, when we do something, we should always do to the best of our ability. Um, mm. it's never nice when someone hands you something and it's half done so or not done properly. So, I think from my perspective, is if I wasn't receiving it, what would it be like to receive the output of what I give to them? Um, so I often do try my best to make sure that uh, it's a pleasant experience or output for them. In mm. that, you know, I mean, if it's passed to me, then I would make sure that's what I do or what I deliver is to the best of my ability. Yeah, I think it's both. Conscious as well as um, unconscious in terms of the mindset of delivering 110% each time.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And I would say, you know, it's been really nice to be at the receiving end of that (laughs) from my point of view. I think if anybody who's like listening to this and would like to join your team and they can resonate with that piece, like they also care about the experience of what... You know, somebody else is receiving in terms of the output of their work, I think that's a really a good you know, kind of sense of whether that's a good culture fit, right? In, in terms of if they are exploring roles um, if your team. In terms of like going back to the part about after you've had all these uh, different people who are in the way playing the different types of roles to help you get to this new opportunity in the solution architecture space, I'm just curious, do you have to do any pitch to them to convince them that you're a great fit for the role? You know, there was definitely some conversation that you've had to with the hiring manager. So I'm just curious, what do you think that you did in that process to stand out to lend you the offer? Or was it more of a case of, I like, know it's amazing, you know, and they only took a referral for you to like land this role. What was that like in that process?
0: I think it was... The opportunity was both probably time, you know, lucky in terms of time as well as mm. what was going on as well in terms of what I did. The role that, the person that was filling this role before, when obviously he moved to a different role and he recommended um, to the managing directors that I would be best to take this role, for, uh, to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, throughout the years as well, I've kind of been working with him, mm. so I kind of knew what to do already. Um, and how to do it so I would say a little bit more of natural progression as well as the time okay. of um, the person before, his progression and that little that void that was uh, there and how I could fit in, fill that void.
1: That's great. So in terms of like, you know, there isn't any pitch that you had to do. And I think maybe just for that clarity, right? It sounds to me like, you know, um, it was a role that you took on after coming into the organization as opposed to coming from a different organization, right? The solution yeah, attack
0: role. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. more of a progression within the company as mm. opposed to like, you know, going to a new company and starting mm. that as a role.
1: Yeah. So do you think looking back, would that be something that you would recommend to somebody who is looking to make that transition as well? Like to say, okay, you know, if you are potentially doing some software development engineering role and you want to move into the solution architect role, try to find a company that has that pathway for you to kind of make that transition, would that be something that you advise?
0: I would say I advise or would, would advise against it? So I would probably say it depends on your circumstances. If where you are doesn't give you the opportunity, then and maybe something you need to seek elsewhere with where you are provides the opportunity. It's something mm. that you could potentially work towards, but probably the main thing I would say is if you keep doing what you're doing, then you won't naturally, you know, learn or gain the skills required to mm. move to a different role. If you want to do something different, you kind of have to do something different. So you need to expand to what you're doing or what you're learning to be able to mm-hmm. fit that role in the future.
1: I'm just curious, right, if you also look at the present situation in this year that we are having this conversation, if you had to make that same transition again, do you think you would have done anything differently given the current circumstance you had in in 2023?
0: Yeah, I think you hear a lot of news about you know, companies shedding roles um, mm. in recent months and years. Um, the industry is also in a way quite volatile. Um, yep. Would I make the same thing again in this year? i would probably say yes. From the perspective that you do have some more stability in the career-wise when you are being promoted up or moved to a slightly different role within the company, as um, mm-hmm. opposed to being the newbie in, in a new company. But if you were going to move around, there's definitely some research you should be doing, You know, understanding the role itself, but also the economic and industry factors that may impact a role. 2023 is going to be very different. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> i definitely agree with that so um, I, looking back in terms of this whole career change i'm just curious like you know now that you have hindsight to look at that do you kind of figure out i know you've alluded a little bit to that in your responses but um the strengths and superpowers that perhaps made you feel like this is the right career change for you do you have a better sense of what that is now, that now that you've looked back, you think has made this um, like the right move for you?
0: Yeah, I think how happy you are in the role mm, you know, interesting can you. give you a sense of, was it right? You know, are you still content? Do you still wake up every day with the drive to do what you're doing? Um, yeah. you know, Do you dread waking up just to go to work? Because that's the negative sign. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of positive and negative signs in terms of your personal self. To mm-hmm. determine if you know you believe that it was the right move. Yes, we all have good and bad days. Um, you know, every role has activities or aspects of it which you may not like, but mm-hmm. you should look at it as a whole. You know, are you generally happy or not? But
1: do you know, like, know what drives that level of happiness for you? You know, in terms of what combination of factors that you feel you're happy in terms of when you wake up, like, hey, this is the right role, right place. What does what that combination of factors?
0: I get that little kick every time we achieve something, you get a little mm-hmm. kick inside you. So,
1: like dopamine?
0: Be, <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> um, okay. It could be as simple as you know, you, that's this problem that you have to solve and mm. you solve it. You know? The problem initially presented itself to be something which is extremely difficult. Or someone mm-hmm. said to you that it's not possible, or it can't be done, or it can only be done with X amount of resources and time being able to challenge that and beat that or get it done when someone says it's not possible, um, that gives you that little kick and makes you feel um, good about it. So for me, that's one of the key drivers um, for me, Mm -hmm. but also sometimes seeing when you have customers, you're solving the customer's problem, um, Mm -hmm. the gratitude that they have for you to solve their problems or to resolve certain things, which it's been annoying for quite a long time that is quite satisfying as well so now
1: a lot of the part of your role while yes you're still directly in front of clients you actually have to help guide other members of your team to navigate all the challenges and obstacles as well i'm just curious how perhaps do you use your experience from before to help them navigate their paths and their development as a pilot engineer in the team
0: Yeah, i think i try to replicate what i found was positive in my career Mm. experience so mm-hmm. things like giving them the right environment know, I was grateful for um, and the people who gave them the right environments and in terms of space, the freedom, you know, the exposure to learn and to grow. So mm-hmm. giving my team that little space as well, helping them You know, in terms of they may not know something, but um, if you know it, give them the opportunity to share your knowledge. Don't mm-hmm. know it, bring someone else in to help them with that, or can you give them time to learn it? All the positive things I experienced in my career, I kind of want to give that to them and... In terms of um, everything else that I haven't experienced, uh, it's more a learning experience for me. At the same time, I come across scenarios where I have never been in, and mm-hmm. you know, have some. Mentors or a strong management leadership. You know, you can speak to them and talk to them about different aspects and find out ways of addressing these things, and you learn from it at the same time as well.
1: So that the people who are listening can get a better sense of the kind of challenges, or obstacles that you've had to overcome while trying to help a customers get to solve their problems. What was maybe one of those biggest challenges in terms of the situation that you faced before that you could share in Without naming names, of course, like, you know, but you know, in terms of what made it difficult and how do you overcome that, that you feel is really part and parcel of this role as a solution architect,
0: right? I mean, as customer facing, the biggest challenge is keeping your customers happy. Every customer has different needs. They all see different things on different levels. So what yeah. may not be important or critical to one customer is absolutely critical to another. Um, mm-hmm. And some customers have very challenging environments which they work in. I would probably say one of the biggest challenges is with the customers, with regards to getting solving that, um, again, I see it as a bit of like a puzzle. What is the challenge? Let's break it down. How can Mm -hmm. we solve each and every small piece? And if you can break it down to understand the reasons why, then you should be able to solve all those little little, smaller problems.
1: I love how you're taking that engineering model and framework and then applying it to a human problem as well. (laughs) And then uh, then, that helps you to be very methodical to ensure that uh, all the issues or all the key concerns are being addressed for the customer, right?
0: Yep. (laughs) Doesn't always work, (laughs) but... uh yeah that's that's the starting point
1: (laughs) so we're coming more or less towards the end of the interview i'm just curious you know perhaps the last two questions i just have is what has been the most rewarding experience in your memory so far at Tricentis, or is there any other you know kind of maybe top two moments stand out for you that you could care to share yeah
0: i'll probably say the most rewarding experience is the people um Mm. the people you work with a more of an extended family. Um, yeah. You're probably going to spend more time with your colleagues <laughs> than you do with your family, your personal family. So having people that are positive around you um, mm-hmm. and that's important in that um, is rewarding. You know, it's a family away from your family. Um, that's been the most rewarding experience for me at Tricentus.
1: Oh, that's very nice to share, Lionel. And this was absolutely not scripted, right? <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) For people who are listening, who aspire to make the same leap from a software engineer to a solution architect, like what you have done, perhaps what is one key lesson you might want to share with them from your experience that that you would like them to take away uh, from that to aid them in their journey?
0: Yeah, from a career perspective, I think always be learning. Take every opportunity to learn and surround yourself with mentors and leaders that inspire you. Mm -hmm. Surrounding yourself with them will help you drive and develop yourself further, and it gives you Mm -hmm. insights to things that uh, you may not be aware of. They could also potentially help you with your personal growth as well.
1: And I think in terms of that always be learning that the concept is there and I was just having a conversation uh, the other week with uh, someone who's been doing l but I'm just curious that when you figure out what to spend your time learning and how you spend your time learning do you have any tips of how do you kind of make the most of that investment of time by either through the selection of what you want to learn or the approach in which you learn?
0: Yeah, I mean I don't have anything that's fixed in terms of what I want to learn and what I should learn. Mm. Um, if I see something that Some interests, or if I Mm -hmm. see that something's a gap, then I tend to write down a little list of things. And every now and then, when I've got some free time, I'll just look at this list and say, you know, which one do I want to look at a little bit more? Yeah. Um, And then I'll either a you know, find a little short course or some articles, uh, white papers, or some books to read about it. Taking a lot of these smaller things in bite-sized chunks. Nice. Typically how I spend a lot of my time learning is reading all these small bits and pieces of information.
1: I like that how it, all the little bits actually add up to a list that you already have in mind that guides you right, in terms of like, hey, you know, this is linked back to actually what the broader picture of actually what I'm trying to learn This is just a small bit that, and then it adds up over time, it sounds like.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's
1: great. So, but, you know, thank you so much, Lino, I really appreciate the time and the sharing, and I definitely learned a lot more things about your journey than I did in the past year of working with you in this conversation. So thank you for sharing your thoughts around this, and I I know you definitely prepared um, you know, some great notes and, and stories, so I really do appreciate that. I look Forward to seeing you back in Singapore sometime, right? And then we can have a really nice meal uh, the next time you're here. Thanks, Lin. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lionel.